Good morning, all of you. Uh, I, I'm really pumped to get into this book. In fact, I really want this book to get into all of us. So over the next six weeks, we're going to tackle Philippians. We want you to do the devotion. We want you to dive into this book because, honestly, for this season of where people are at, I think this book might set you free. So we're going to dive into Philippians. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open with a prayer, but before I get into that, our kids' church guys, we, we're tweaking all kinds of things in kids' church. And uh, if you've got a, one of your kids is in kids' church, please just engage, because I think in the next little while, it is going to be extraordinary what they do. And uh, if you're a parent who, who wants to volunteer, we'd love some parents. We've got lots of youngsters in kids' church. We want some parents involved as well, so... There's just a little punt. But let's read this text from Philippians 1 verse 9, and it says this. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, Heavenly Father, as we preach this book, will you make this book come alive? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to understand the book of Philippians, you've got to understand that in Acts chapter 16, Paul gets a vision. And in this vision, there's a guy in Macedonia, which is like a guy in Kenya for us, calling to him to come and preach the gospel. And so he wakes up from this vision, and off he goes, and he lands up at a little town called Philippi. And when he gets to Philippi, he begins to preach. He meets a, a woman by the name of Lydia. He begins to preach, and, uh, and quite quickly, as is the case with Paul, people get upset and beat him up. That's kind of the story of Paul. But after, before they beat him up, he has already started a house church. And the people in this house church then hide him and, and take him to another city. And from there, this Philippian church starts to get established. And uh, Paul cycles back there. Now, it's 10 years later. Paul's been arrested. He's in, he's in Rome in a house church. And he's writing this letter. And it is one of the most intimate, hopeful caring letters for this community of people that Paul clearly loves deeply. They, they, were, they were with him. They were supporting him. They were generous. They, they were a people that you can just tell, these are his homies. That's what's going on in the letter of Philippians. But in order for you to get into the book, you've got to think about prison. Now, I know a bunch of you went to prison. I'm joking. But we may not have been in prison Literally. But pretty much all of us have been in prison emotionally. Let me explain. Because when I was reading this, I started to think about prison. And I realized what happens in prison is that there are a set of bars, and you can see the sunlight, but you can't go into the sunlight. You can see what you'd hoped for, but you can't get to what you'd hoped for. And Paul, who's one of the most ambitious men who's ever lived, wanted to plant churches all the way through to Spain, but now he's stuck under someone else's control. In fact, the guy whose control he's under is a guy by the name of Nero, who was utterly nuts. He burnt half the city of Rome because he wanted to rebuild it, blamed the Christians. The Christians were hated like psycho. He is in charge of Paul's achieving his dreams. 
Now, here's the thing. Every single one of us has had dreams of I'd hoped. I'd hoped that by now we would be on site number six. I'd hoped that Ames and I financially would be a whole lot more free. I'd hoped that by now we would have two cars and not be borrowing one. I'd hoped that she would have a school that was signed and sealed and we've got the property and it was all done. I'd hoped that our kids would be friends with their kids and that relationship would be restored. I had hoped, I could just go on and on and on with a I'd hoped. And in a room like this, there's I'd hoped that we'd have kids by now. I'd hoped that I wouldn't still be single. I'd hoped that financially I wouldn't be in so much debt by now. I'd thought that by now I would have been further along in my career. I thought, you're in jail. There's some bars. Bars that are out of your control, and when you add things like looting and pandemics and floods, and I mean, we can just go on with everything that's happened, the economy, the, the way things have shrunk. When, when you add how many people have left the city and, and all the disruption that was out of our control, many of us are in jail. But Paul is free in his jail. This sermon is about being free in your jail, because this is what I want you to know. God may be putting you in that jail. You see, if God wanted Paul out the jail, he would have popped him out the jail. He'd done that a few times. God let Paul be in the jail, and some of you need to know that God has let you be in the jail, and I'm going to talk about why he lets us be in the jail, because if you understand why, you can start to become free in the jail. Now, I'm hoping that this is already hurting, because if we're actually going to get anywhere today, I have to get into the pain of being in jail. See, with Paul, there's not just the hope deferred of, I thought I would be. There's also the pain and frustration of, I can't, I don't have the resources for, I am not able to. So when you plant churches, this is what happens. It's a little bit codependent, but what, what happens when I plant a church, plant Kloof, plant North Coast, we've just helped plant Sathluko into the city. When I plant a church, I feel like these are my kids. Paul would have felt like these are his kids. And now, up until now, he's doing in person. But now there are no cameras, and he can't do not in person. He can't get to them. He doesn't have enough to look after them. And he knows they're vulnerable. Anybody feel in this last season like you don't have enough? Like you wish you could look after them but you don't have enough for you? Like, you wish you could give more, but you don't have enough to care for? And you feel like you just, you, you wish you could start again, but you're too old. You don't have the energy. You don't have the money. You know what I realized 
the other day, I realized technology now is on such a rapid growth, and I am so rapidly getting old. I'm just, these things are just like, can't start again. I'm in jail. And Paul has these revelations that, honestly, they are mic-dropping one-liners that literally, if you receive the revelation, it will anchor and redirect your soul. And so he says this in Philippians 1.3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will carry it on until completion. This word is, this little one-liner will be like an anchor to your soul. Sam, would you mind holding it? How many of you feel a little overwhelmed by life? Anyone feel overwhelmed by life? Anyone feel like there are a few too many people who need you? You can put your hand slightly down. Otherwise, your hand's going to fall off by the... Like, I, I realize, I just, I just, I wake up in the morning. Dad, will you? Dad, please, can we? Dad, I want to play. Dad, will you make me? Dad. It just goes on and on and on. And those are the people who share my surname. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I have to love them. But then, then I also have the boss, will you? Boss, I need. Boss, help me. And then I also have the friend, please will you? Please help me. And then there are the other people who get my phone number. <laughs> and have you ever found the, the, the people who need you the most feed you the least? <laughs> you, ever, you ever find that people just drain? You ever woken up and gone, please, Lord, wipe them all out? <laughs> Those are just my kids. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you, ever, you ever feel like you're just not enough? See, there's some of you who are feeling like you're not enough and you're feeling so much guilt and shame because you should have mommed better, you should have wifed better, you should have dadded better. You, you, you should have been able to lead the business better. And you've got all these what ifs. What if I'd made that decision? What if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? And you're in jail. And all you're feeling right now is shame and overwhelmness. And you can feel the guilt of what you didn't do. And you wish you had the energy, but actually your depression is just like a it's a weight over you. And actually, the, the fact that you lost your job, it just feels like you're an utter failure. And you're starting to think, I am the problem. And I don't deserve God to set me free from this. And there are some of you living in so much shame right now. And I want you to know this. Paul says, he who began a good work in you, not you who began a good work in you, 
not you who began looking after your kids, not you who began the business, not you. He, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion because most stuff we're too faulty to bring to completion. Most stuff, we just can't get there. In fact, the reason that some of us have to get into prison is so that God can show that we are not the alpha and the meager. He is. That you actually couldn't, you're not enough. Well done. You got there. You realized. You are not enough. Just say that. I am not enough. No, you weren't convincing. One, two, three. I am not enough. You need to say that a little bit more. I am not enough. And it's okay. I am not enough, and it's okay. You've got to get this. Because some of you have been beating yourselves up for not enough stuff. You've been carrying it, and it's shaming you, and you're feeling guilt, and the weightiness of waking up every morning and knowing that I'm probably going to fail and shout at that brat, and it is going to go south. It, the, that stuff is eating you away. And I want you to know that you are not Jesus. You are not enough. But he is more than enough. And if you want to get out of your prison, you've got to rest on the fact that I am not enough. But whatever he starts, he finishes. And whatever mess you've left, he's able to mop up. Because if you don't have a God that big, you're in serious trouble. If you're overwhelmed, just stand. I want to just pray for people. Right now, stand. Every mom and a few dads. Jesus, break the shame off. Where there's a belief that I am the problem, the devil lies. You are not the problem. You may have made mistakes. You are not a mistake. Jesus, bring life, set people free, bring truth, and help them to understand right now and to give up the need to be perfect because they aren't. God, just bring your winds of light. Bring your, open the floodgates. Lord, open the windows. Lord, just bring life into people. Set them free. God, begin to free people up from their inability to perform at that level. Lord Jesus, just lift the weight of that off. You are enough, God. We are not enough. You are enough. Amen. Be free. Be free. Ah, part two. He goes on. The reason I'm going so slowly is because I think the Holy Spirit is actually just putting his finger on some people's hearts that need healing. He goes on, he says this. He gives the second lifeline. Now, I want you to know, although Sam let go of my lifeline. <laughs> now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace God and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. 
And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become, become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. When he says the whole palace guard, he, he would have ministered to about 1,300 people in the army. That's what's going on. He's in jail, but he's still ministering. That's being free in your prison. And then he says, it is true that some of the Muppets, it doesn't say that, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. In other words, some are preaching Jesus to hurt me. And then he goes, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? Say this, what does it matter? What does it matter? But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. What does it matter? What does it matter? Amber and Johnny, what does it matter? How much money was on the farm? What does it matter? What they say about you on Facebook? What does it matter? What does it matter? You think, you think about those, our phones. We are, we are living connected to more people than we've ever been connected to in our whole lives. And we're more lonely than we've ever been. We're listening to voices that are gossiping and tuning us, and we don't even know them, and it's mattering. What is wrong with us? Let me tell you what is wrong with us. It is impossible to say, what does it matter if you don't know what matters? The reason Paul can say, what does it matter, is because Paul can previously say, I'm in chains, but the result has been the result. So he's looking at results, not the resistance. He's looking at the scoreboard, not what the fans are saying. He's, his focus is on what Christ called him to do, not the, what the church around him is telling him is wrong with him and why he's in prison. He knows what matters. If you don't know what matters, you will constantly get caught up with what doesn't matter. Now, church, this is where the first point was to minister to you. This is to... In, in, I, I used to be part of a church group that used to say, I have an encouragement for you. And whenever they said that, you would like duck because the encouragement wasn't going to feel very encouraging. It was, it was going to feel like they were going to tune you. I'm about to tune you. They, this, is, this is where we're at. The average adult watches 8 hours and 23 minutes of Netflix a week. Some of you are thinking a day, and you're thinking, oh, I'm not that bad. No. The, the average adult spends two hours and 12 minutes on social media. You know what we're training and discipling ourselves to do? We're training and discipling ourselves to be like Kim Kardashian, which is really smart. We are listening to voices that do not matter, and so we cannot hear the one who really matters. 
we've got to a state, and this is where I need to exhort the church to shift. We've got to a state where our habits are strangling our purpose. Because instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, we've been seeking first the comfort of entertainment. And when you seek that first, distraction is the result, and your soul gets worse and worse and worse. If, you, if you're giving in to just distraction filling my soul, your soul will get so empty that you will land up in trouble. Paul shifts. His focus is on what matters. And the result of his focus being on what matters means that life is flowing into his soul and he is starting to get free. They did a, a study on rats. You've probably heard this one before. I don't know why we always pick rats. Poor rats. Anyway, so what they did is they got one rat and they put water and heroin in the water in, in his cage. And the rat went, drank the water, then drank the heroin water, and from then on, he just wanted heroin water, and he died of an overdose. But they then went, let's try another test. And they basically got tons of rats, and they made like rat Disney World. There's tons of stuff to do. And they put water and heroin water, and all the rats drank the water and not the heroin water. The moral of the story? The opposite of addiction is not not addiction, it's connection. The, the body of Christ has to be about what matters. What matters is your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with each other, and putting the kingdom first. What matters is your purpose. What matters is the thing that God told you to do all those years ago that you haven't been done because you've been feeling guilty and you've gotten into bad habits. What matters is you stepping out of where you're at now and serving. It matters that you get yourself into a life group. You can't just sit back and go, it's it's going to get better tomorrow. Paul goes, it doesn't matter what they're saying about me. What matters is Christ has preached. It matters. Preach him. And then he lands with this third incredible line. He says, yes, and I'll continue to rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers, I hope you have someone who prays for you. Through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. And here's the big one, Nana. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on in this, living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. It'll be good for you. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I want to go and be with Jesus, is what he's saying, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you're going to get free in your prison, 
you have to know that he is the Alpha and the Omega. You have to make what matters. You have to choose what matters to matter. And you have to choose who matters to matter. If you do these three things, you will be able to not just survive your prison. You'll be able to be free in your prison. Now, you got the illustration. It's going down because blood flow is stopping. I, um, one of my friends has a sister who's stage four cancer. The tumor on her brain is so big that they don't know how she's still alive today. So my mate had been telling her about Jesus, and he said, Ross, I feel like I'm hitting a brick wall. Would you mind coming over? And so I sat with her. And I said, how are you feeling about, about the next step in your journey? And she said, I'm really scared. And then I said, tell me why. And she said what every single person who doesn't understand the gospel says. I'm a really good person, I think. But I'm scared that I'm not good enough. To which I said, you're probably not as good as you think. <laughs> Just like make the fear a little bit higher before you give the... <laughs> and thank you, Lord. It's a good ringtone. almost went with the preach. <laughs> and you better thank the Lord that there was a thief on a cross who didn't even have time to sort out his life. And Jesus said, he'll be with me in paradise. So clearly, it's not about how good your life's been. And she said, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, if you were the father, you would think about salvation very differently. Because if you were a dad giving your son for faulty people, you would be a whole lot less concerned about how faulty they were and a whole lot more concerned about what they did with your son. You're thinking from earth to heaven, but God's thinking from heaven to earth. And God's going, I have given you a gift in my son that is so profound and so beautiful and so healing and covers all your sin and is so amazing. And the only thing that matters to me is what you do with my son. Then I said, and if you receive the son, then he takes a cloak. And she's very frail because of the cancer. And so I just took a, a little quilt and said, and he puts it around you and he hides all your darkness and he calls you righteous. So that from this moment, until you cross over, you just get closer and closer to him. Because what matters most is a who. It's Jesus. And if you want to be free in prison, you actually have to give up on some what's. What I'll be like as a dad. Sometimes you just have to give up on that. Getting my kids to every extra mural, sometimes you just have to give up on that. Making enough money to set them up well, sometimes you just have to give up on that. And you have to focus on who. Because lots of us are so focused on these what's, and we're missing out on the who, and the result is 
that social media is discipling our kids instead of us because they can't see the life of Christ inside of us. And so we're unhappy in prison. I started by saying, God has put some of you in prison. He's put some of us in prison. I want to wrap around with this. God has to put us in prison so that we will realize that when we're not the Alpha and the Omega, we are not enough. Two, what matters most is the relationship that we have with Him and doing what we can to please Him. And we'll let go of some of the things that we've been holding too tightly and we'll grab onto the one who can cover over everything. And right now, some of you have to let go and grab on. And so as we end this, I just want us to all stand, if that's okay. I want you to just think about what you have to let go of. Do you have to let go of your control issues? Your desire to be the perfect dad because yours wasn't? The dream to live in that house and that neighborhood and that way? you have to let go of the guilt that you feel for your depression or your addiction or your sin? Do you have to let go of the shame that you carry because you feel like you are the problem? That is a lie. What do you have to let go of? Some of you, I feel like this for, for some men, you believe that you have to always fix it. You need to let go of that. It's a lie. Now, what do you need to grab onto? Just close your hands. What do you need to grab onto? If you're not a Christian, you need to grab onto Jesus today. You need to say, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you that you make me righteous. I grab onto you. If you are a Christian, you need to grab onto that righteousness and cover yourself in it and look at it and go, thank you, Jesus, that you made me righteous. I can't make me righteous. You are the Alpha and the Omega. I'm not. Thank you for covering me. Some of you have to grab onto giving your life to the kingdom again. You have to grab onto that and stop seeking first other stuff and seek first the kingdom. What do you have to grab onto right now? My prayer is that over the course of this book, you will be able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because he is so good. He is so good that I am free in my prison. So Lord, let your grace flow. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. May you be blessed. Join us for tea and coffee and may the Spirit of God bless you.